KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. Where were you in 2003? It's been nearly two decades since the last Super Bowl was in Southern California. We're checking in on the big game's long-awaited return. San Diego State is sued by athletes who say they were denied their fair share of scholarship money. And a local TV station is revisiting black history in San Diego with some iconic footage from their archives. I'm Matt Hoffman, and this is KPBS Roundtable. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. In eight years, I accomplished a lot in a short amount of time. And one thing that I feel like I'm lacking is, you know, being a world champion. So um, it meant a lot to me. I feel like it would be um, a goal that I've been chasing and trying to accomplish I might be able to check that off and feel like, you know, there's, there's nothing in this league that I didn't accomplish that I didn't want to accomplish. So um, it, it means a lot. That's one of the most dominant players the NFL has seen in recent years. We're talking about defensive star Aaron Donald of the Los Angeles Rams. On paper, the Rams are listed as the road team as they take on the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend in Super Bowl 56. But in reality, this is the second straight year that a team will be playing the big game from their own building. NBC is doing the honors from SoFi Stadium this year. And we're checking in with sports reporter Derek Togerson from NBC7. He's on the ground there. And welcome to Roundtable, Derek. Hey, good to be here, Maddie. How you been? I've been good. Glad to have you here. Hope you're well, too. So jumping into this, Derek, we know that there's a lot of ex-Charger fans who might still be salty about the team leaving for SoFi Stadium. So I'm curious, for those who haven't been up there yet, how would you describe this year's Super Bowl setting? It's chaos. It's absolutely, it's utter chaos. I mean, it's, it's Los Angeles when the Lakers are falling apart and the Dodgers might be going back to spring training and Shohei Otani is on the cover of MLB The Show. And oh, by the way, traffic. And USC has got you know, Caleb Williams transferring in, and UCLA basketball is back to being a thing again. Like the Super Bowl is like the eighth most important thing there right now, and and yet they're trying to wedge this thing in the middle of downtown LA. I mean, even on Monday, the convention center was a nightmare to try and get into with traffic, and it it's I'm telling you what, man, it's gonna look really good on TV, but it's just nuts behind the scene. So we know that NBC, that they're in the rotation to broadcast the Super Bowl every few years. How does this experience, this one this year, compared to other big events that you've covered, be it past Super Bowls or maybe some other big sports events? It's, um, it's interesting because it's so spread out. Like all the Super Bowls I've done are like Minneapolis and Indianapolis and San Diego and Phoenix and, and places where it's a lot more kind of condensed. You know, Indianapolis, we parked the car and then didn't get in, back in it again for six days. When Minneapolis was at, at the Super Bowl, like that was a huge deal for them because a bunch of tourists were coming to their town when it was negative four degrees. Like that doesn't happen in Minneapolis. So it felt like a major deal for them. This is just like almost an annoyance, it seems like up in LA. But I'm guessing, you know, as, as the game gets closer and folks from Cincinnati show up and the Ram fans start to truly ramp up, it'll, it'll start to feel more like the Super Bowl is the big deal. So you've been up there in LA in recent days covering the lead up to all this. And part of that includes a story that you did on the San Diego's Challenge Athletes Foundation. They put together a Super Bowl ad this year and they picked sort of a unique place for it. Derek, why did they choose Cooperstown, New York? 
because Landis Sims is one of the most incredible athletes you will ever get to meet in your entire life. Uh, he's a kid who's going to be a sophomore in high school in, in Indiana. He was born with no legs before, below the knees and no hands. And from a young age, he fell in love with baseball. And the kid's a legitimate athlete. And so he wanted to play baseball. And nobody was going to tell him that he could not play baseball. So he was eight years old. They started following him, just kind of saw him at a veteran softball game, and he was hitting the daylights out of the ball. So Challenge Athletes Foundation then got involved and got him some prosthetics that allowed him to extend his arms and hold the bat in a better way and get some, some running blades for his feet. And he started to truly blossom. And then Joe Musgrove, as we all know, San Diego's own, through the first no-hitter in Padres history, he caught wind of the kid and he coached him in the offseason before last year and helped his footwork around the bag. And sure enough, this kid not only makes his high school baseball team, but in his first ever at bat, he lays a single right up the middle. So because there's such a baseball tie to it, Bob Babbitt, co-founder of the Challenge Athletes Foundation and just a tireless worker, he bought a Super Bowl ad in Cooperstown, New York just to show people that the, the movie is coming out. It's called Landers, just watch me. It'll be in theaters this summer. And go check it out, man, because if you, if you A, want to be inspired, this is the one to do it, or B, if you think you're ever having a bad day, just keep this kid in mind. You'll be like, I got it pretty good. I'm talking with NBC7 sports reporter Derek Togerson. And Derek, let's move back to the game itself a little bit. Let's talk about local connections. You know, we know that there's a San Diego resident who was retired and now is playing in the big game. Who might San Diegans, you know, see or, or be familiar with in this game? No, no, no idea who you're talking about. Uh, Eric Weddle? Oh, I've heard of that guy. Yeah, okay. That, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, um, no, no I'm, yeah, I'm joking with you. No, Ed Edub's one of my favorite dudes who ever played for the Chargers. What he has done, Matt, coming out of retirements for not just not like six months but in two years this dude hasn't been playing football at that level he's playing pickup basketball but he keeps himself in shape and he goes in and gets like 20 snaps in a playoff game for the first game he's played in, in two years and then gets like 60 snaps in next week and is having an impact it's crazy. I mean, what, what that dude has been able to do, do, and he still lives in Poway, and now he's going to have a chance to finally get that Super Bowl. I mean, you got to seriously start thinking about, like, Eric Weddle is a potential. He'll, he'll be in the conversation as a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame at some point. That's really cool for him. And you got Jalen Davis, a defensive back for the Bengals, who's a La Mesa native. You got uh, Terrell Burgess, the Ram safeties from uh, San Marcos. And then, you know, Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, former Aztec, he's from Carlsbad. He's expected to be named the next head coach of the Minnesota Vikings when the Super Bowl is all over. So we got yeah, lots of a pretty good San Diego flavor at the Super Bowl. And Derek, talking about the matchup itself, the Rams, they were in the spot just a few years ago, but it's been more than 30 years for the Bengals. And Joe Burrow has recently emerged as the star, not just for this team, but one of the new faces of the league. Do you think he's the player to watch on Sunday or what are you looking at? Joe Burrow is the reason I will not put money on this game because... You look at the rosters, and the Rams have the advantage at most position sets. On paper, this isn't close. But there's just something about this Burrow kid, man, that I look at and go, ah, do I want to bet against what he's got going on? Because he's he's got this kind of vibe, this aura around him. As poor as the Bengals' offensive line is, and it's not a good offensive line, it's, it's the weakest offensive line in the entire playoffs. And with how good the Rams' pass rush is, with like Aaron Donald, as you have talked about, you heard from him at the start of this, it should be a blowout. But it's just I just don't think it will because I don't know 
what Burrow's capable of yet. Is he Joe Montana? You know, is he one of those guys who just, for some reason, just wins the big games? All of his teammates believe in him. So this man, this Burrow kid, I, I still don't know exactly what we've gotten him. And that's a very dangerous proposition for the Rams. We've been talking with Derek Togerson. He's a sports reporter for NBC7. You can follow him on Twitter at DerekNBCSD for more content. He's up at the Super Bowl all this weekend. Derek, always good to talk. Thanks so much for your time. You got it, man. Y'all have a good one. It's a whole new world out there when it comes to money and college sports, but setting NIL deals and sports betting aside, the primary goal for the vast majority of student-athletes is to secure a coveted scholarship. It can be used as a springboard to a degree. And this week, current and former student-athletes at San Diego State sued the university. They say they did not get their fair share of spots in recent years. Here's how KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado covered their story. 17 female athletes are suing SDSU for $1.2 million, claiming the school violated Title IX, the federal civil rights law that bans discrimination in schools or school programs based on sex. It's the first Title IX lawsuit that seeks monetary compensation. One of the athletes is Madison Fisk, a former member of the SDSU women's rowing team. The athletics department cut the team last season. We commit so much of our lives to our sport the same way that male athletes do. We're no different. They claim the university has deprived them and other women athletes out of millions of dollars in financial aid and scholarships in the last decade. Their attorney, Arthur Bryant, says this is an open and shut case. The most compelling thing was actually the information that SDSU filed with the federal government showing that it is violating Title IX and depriving women of equal athletic opportunities. It's stunning. SDSU declined an interview but sent a statement denying the allegations. It says they're disappointed by the incomplete picture presented by the plaintiff's lawyers. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. And you can read more and see that full lawsuit itself at kpbs.org. There's a lot going on here from a money, legal, and an equity perspective. That's why we reached out to Amanda Kristovich. She covers the intersection of college sports and business for front office sports. Hey, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. How's it going? Of course. It's going great. Good to have you here. So diving into this, we know that the foundation for this case is the landmark equal rights law in college sports. It's known as Title IX. Amanda, for our listeners, can you give us a general idea of what that law aims to achieve? Yeah, absolutely. So Title IX dates back to the 70s. And the way that it functions in the college sports realm is that it's basically been the foundation upon which women's sports have been built. It is the law that has been cited to give women's sports athletes opportunities that not just to play, but to get equitable resources. And that extends to facilities. It extends, you know, like in this case, to aid. It's not perfect and it's a bit difficult to enforce Lawsuits are one of the only ways it can be enforced, but it really has changed the game, like no pun intended. And without it, you know, we would not be where we are today in this country with regards to women's sports. So you wrote about this lawsuit. I'm, I'm curious, what about this case involving San Diego State sort of stands out to you, maybe as like a legal strategy or from the allegations made by these women who were involved? The thing that stood out most to me was less what the lawsuit was about 
and what it was saying and more who was spearheading it. So the lead counsel on the for the plaintiffs is Arthur Bryant, as was mentioned previously, and he has a track record of successfully prosecuting Title IX cases dating back to the 80s, I believe. He is somewhat of a small celebrity in the Title IX community. And since the pandemic began, he has successfully settled at least eight cases. Sometimes even the threat of a lawsuit from his team has been enough to get teams reinstated. And so if I were any school getting a Title IX lawsuit from him or his team, I I would take it seriously. So we know that SDSU, they're denying these allegations. Their athletic department says that they dropped the rowing program recently, not because of financial problems brought on by the pandemic, but they say because it was trying to maintain a balance between men and women's sports. Uh, Amanda, as you cover the college landscape here, is that something that you've seen schools struggle with, finding that balance? You know, it's not really something that I hear about in the sense of the school has too many women's sports opportunities and not enough men's sports opportunities. The opposite is the case in many places, um, particularly because of these pandemic-related sports cuts. So I was surprised when I did some research and, and, and saw that that was the main reason cited. Even the women's sports that get a lot of funding, particularly compared to their male counterparts, still have issues. Okay, so can you put this in perspective for us here? How important would you say this case is when it comes to the NCAA? I mean, some people are saying that this could be the first ever Title IX claim for monetary damages. Amanda, do you think that this is something that other schools and student athletes will be closely watching? I think that this case in particular is is definitely interesting in that it shows schools that There are a wide variety of ways that you can fall out of compliance with Title IX. It's not just how many men's versus women's sports athletes you have. It's about resources. It's about financial aid. And that's something that I think every school, experts have told me every school should be looking into right now. But I think this lawsuit is really part of a larger trend, particularly since the beginning of the pandemic, of Title IX being used by athletes to get their teams reinstated to get their resources back. And again, like I said before, many of which have been spearheaded by Arthur Bryant and his team. But this is clearly a large trend that is not going away, that athletes have realized that Title IX is a tool that they can use on the women's sports side, obviously, but also on the men's sports side in some cases to save programs. And that is something that I think schools need to take into consideration about if they decide to cut a sport, that that may not be the end of the story. I'm talking with reporter Amanda Kristovich from Front Office Sports. And Amanda, let's also get your take on something related to equity in sports, the NIL rollout. That stands for Name, Image, and Likeness. And the Supreme Court recently said that college athletes can seek out paid endorsements. Where do you think the NIL fits into this larger discussion of sports equity and maybe the balance between like big money programs like football and less popular sports like in this case rowing? I think that's the million dollar question, literally, right? I, I think it, from what I've seen, it depends where you sit and kind of how you're looking at NIL. So in the first six months or so of the NIL era, we've, we've seen several trends, one of which is expected. The data is um, from companies like Open Doors are telling us that, yes, as we expected, football is king. 
But I will also note that, you know, we're not through the basketball season and we're not even through the first year of it. I also, who knows how that will change. Uh, But I also want to emphasize that NIL has been proven to be an incredible opportunity for women's sports athletes as well, for Olympic sports athletes. If you look at Paige Beckers, Raylan Turner, they have secured NIL deals um, with some of the largest brands in the sports sponsorship space as a whole, like Gatorade and Nike. At first glance, what we saw in the first six months, we expected to see with football players really making a big name in the NIL space, but also there have been many, many, many opportunities for athletes at all divisions in all sports and of all genders to capitalize as well. And finally, Amanda, it's championship weekend here in Southern California. I'm curious, what's your Super Bowl pick? This is the hardest question you've asked me so far. As an LA native, I sort of feel like I have to go Rams. However, I have Louisiana sports ties. So, you know, you can't count out Joe Burrow. You know, we've seen what he can do. And, you know, I'm I'm just I'm just rooting for a good time. You know, how about that? How about that uncontroversial circumvention of your question? Yeah, sounds like a good time, but would not mind if the Bengals won. (laughs) I've been speaking with reporter Amanda Kristovich. You can find her work at frontofficesports.com. And Amanda, thanks so much for joining us here on Roundtable. Thank you so much for having me. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. It's a big weekend for sports, and there's something else airing on Sunday that you'll want to add on to your list. CBS 8 has been on the air for more than 60 years, and this weekend the news department is going into the vault for a special all about black history in San Diego. Welcome back to San Diego. Glad to be here. Muhammad Ali fought Ken Norton right here in San Diego. Plus, CBS 8 interviewed Jackie Robinson during the civil rights struggle. Those amazing stories and more on Black History Month, Sunday at 5.30 on CBS 8. The host for this weekend special is Kirsten Holmes. She's a reporter for CBS 8. Welcome to Roundtable, Kirsten. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys. I've been a fan of PBS for years, so it's like, yay, one for the home team. Great to have you here. Okay, so let's get into this. This is a 30-minute special, and it starts with a feature on Muhammad Ali. You also have some very cool archival footage of KFNB's interview with Jackie Robinson. That was during the civil rights era. And these are both sort of universally known figures. But what did you learn from these particular stories? Oh, you know, it's so interesting. I love being able to share. I grew grew up in a home that celebrated and taught Black history. So it was like these very familiar figures. And then I got to see them in a new light. Fun fact, I was telling friends, my my father was older. So he was born the same year as Jackie Robinson. So my father had, you know, a very specific idea about Jackie Robinson. So to see these these interviews and these conversations and, you know, uh, I think one of the things I grew up with is my dad always talked about how Jackie Robinson voted for Nixon. And that was one of the things that kind of polarized him to my dad and to a lot of people of that time in the 60s. It was like, you know, what were we going to do between Democratic or Republican Party? And there was still the fight with the Black community wasn't all the way sold on the Democratic Party just yet. 
So just seeing Jackie Robinson's turn, I think he had a split with Nixon and then he started championing civil rights. I wish my dad would have been here today to see this and see some of this footage. He's now the incomparable Muhammad Ali. He was the greatest. We were a fan. We were always a fan. And we have this incredible footage of Muhammad Ali in his prime talking stuff. And this is when he was still Cassius Clay. He wasn't you know, before he committed himself to the nation of Islam, just to see who he was and then to, to know the history behind such an iconic figure and to see him on CBS 8 footage, a station that I work for today was, yeah, that was, it, it meant a lot to me. So I was excited when they tapped me to do this. I was like, I'm your girl. I'll do it. We know that this special goes beyond sports. What else were those watching on Sunday C? Oh, you're going to see a connection. What we wanted to do with this, we wanted to highlight Black history, but we wanted to show you how it connects to our present. And we wanted to give a nod to the future. And so you're going to see communities coming together. It's like, this is who we are, Black San Diego right now. And a lot of people don't know that San Diego played a role in the civil rights movement. But the fight was made all across the country, including right here in San Diego. And so we're excited to show that or to share that with people. Right. And I know you said that you were excited to help tell these stories. Is there a particular one from the special that stands out to you or that you like the most? Growing up with my dad and and the Jackie Robinson and telling this Jackie Robinson story was so cool to me because I got to see, like I said, the arc of a human being. And it, it reminded me to be a little more gracious with other people and, and, and graceful with myself to allow people those ebbs and flows in life and to learn. I got to be reintroduced in a way to Jackie Robinson, this, this iconic figure for so many people. So that one was so personal to me. But to see maybe there's going to be an arts district in Encanto that really celebrates the diverse history of San Diego's Black cultural contribution. It's like, it's hard to name one Jackie Robinson would be my one because that was a story I spent so much time on. But man, looking at all of them, I was like, oh, this is good. You know, there's a San Diego has a less than 10 percent African-American population. So some might think that we didn't really play a role in the civil rights era or that there's not a whole lot of black history happening today or there's not a black futures program that we can look to for tomorrow but there absolutely is and we're excited to show that and we hope that the viewers get that from our special i'm talking with cbs8 reporter kirsten holmes and kirsten several reporters are involved in this entire special why do you think it's important to tell these stories now and as your news team has done here you know kind of find new ways to tell them Oh, it's important. Like, you know, your parents, your elders, the ancestors will always tell you, you have to, you have to know your past so you don't repeat those mistakes. And so that you can know from whence you came, there's always this level of pride. We were just talking, we just shot the special today and we were just talking about, you know, what everybody's experience with black history was. And there's been this push within the last couple of years to really take an honest look at American history as it pertains to Black history. There's the 1619 Project. There's the, the debate about critical race theory. So it's important to really know what our history is, to understand the implications of that history. And then, like I said earlier, allow people the grace to evolve and to grow. Sometimes there's going to be some uncomfortable feelings, some uncomfortable conversations, but it's through tackling those uncomfortable feelings and, un- and uncomfortable conversations that we can grow and evolve and hopefully become a more equitable, loving place for everyone, no matter what you look like and no matter how you think or no matter how you present yourself. 
Those who follow CBS 8, especially on YouTube, they know that the station is always putting out fascinating stuff from the archives. I mean, some very cool stuff. Got to check it out. And Kirsten, I'm just curious, how did you and your team sort of track down some of this content when putting the show together? Okay, so we got really lucky in the way of Barbara Nielsen. She is a phenom. She's been with the station for a long time, and she has just been paramount to our archival footage. So we we got lucky that, you know, we have this long history of being in San Diego and it took Barb and some other people, but Barb is the person that's there right now with the wherewithal was like, Hey, make sure we save and digitize all of these old archival footage. Because as we look back, we can look to some of these stories that we covered. I always tell people as a journalist, I love the opportunity to journal history because it's some of those older news stories that we can go back on and lean on and be like, who were we in 1968? Who were we in 1972? And now we'll be, who were we in 2022 now? Because it's a new year. <laughs> I'm still catching up to the new year, but who are we right now? So we want to give a shout out to Barb Nielsen because she's the one that's behind making sure that we have all of this footage to make available to our viewers so we can take that look back into the past. And if you can, can you remind us how we can watch the show this weekend? And if those who miss it on Sunday, how they can watch it after that? Okay, so you can catch the show this Sunday, 5.30 on CBS 8, and you can catch it on the replay just in case you're watching something else like the Super Bowl. You can catch it Friday at 6.30, Friday the 18th at 6.30, and you can also catch it in its entirety on CBS8.com and on our YouTube page. We got a couple of different ways. It's going to re-air a few different times. Those are the main times, but yeah, we, we're going to get you set up. Well, something you definitely don't want to miss. I've been speaking with Kirsten Holmes. She's an anchor and a reporter for CBS 8 here in San Diego. And Kirsten, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for highlighting this special. Thank you guys so much. Right now, the San Diego History Center has a new exhibition. It's called Celebrate San Diego Black History and Heritage. Shelby Gordon with the History Center recently told us all about it. The exhibition really gives you a tangible, visual, graphic understanding of how complex, how deep, how interesting, and how elevating the history of Black San Diego is. You can hear more of that conversation with host Jade Hindman on the KPBS Midday Edition podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's edition of KPBS Roundtable, and thank you to my guests, Derek Togerson from NBC7, Amanda Kristovich from Front Office Sports, and Kirsten Holmes from CBS8. If you missed any part of our show, you can listen anytime on the KPBS Roundtable podcast. I'm Matt Hoffman. Join us next week on Roundtable. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.